You've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. You've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Hi, this is Luke Arnold from the Stan Original Series, Scrublands. Hello again. Hello Hi, again. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> it's so nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. I'm so uh, thrilled to be chatting with you. Have you been doing interviews all afternoon? We have been doing a few. I'm so thrilled to be chatting to you. So let's talk about your latest project. So we're talking about Scrublands on Stan. So really, really easy question. What can we expect from it? So Scrublands is a four-part oh yeah, four-part mystery thriller set in a, the little country town of Rivers End, uh, where a year ago a charismatic young priest came out of his church with a rifle, opened fire, and shot five of his constituents. And a year after that massacre, my character, journalist Martin Scarsden, who's kind of on a bit of a downward spiral, is sent out to River's End to do a bit of a puff piece on how the town's recovering. You know, uh, just a little bit of a check-in, a bit of a colour story, and starts to scratch the surface on finding out that maybe there's a bit more to this incident than first thought. I mean, it's a heavy topic. Very, very heavy and very, you know, very scary because that kind of thing happens a lot. Not here, thank goodness, but like over in the US. So with yeah. that kind of heavy topic, you know, that that's really heavy content that you're dealing with, even though you're playing the journalist, but you're saying that you're on a downward on a downward <laughs> spiral. <laughs> yes, so, well, in before, so that's a bit of the idea. So Martin has, you know, he was a kind of, you know, jet setting foreign correspondent, you know, or you know, you know, trying to reveal stories, you know, about corruption, take down mining companies, governments, you know, he was that kind of guy. So he's very used to probably flying into places, using everyone around him to get to the truth, to get the story, mm. you know, maybe um, not maybe being a little bit of a pest, a little bit, uh, you know, unscrupulous in his way of getting to the bigger truth of, of doing of, of what he thought was kind of you know, seeking justice, setting things right. Um, but during, you know, w during one of those, um, uh, one of his adventures, uh, there was kind of some collateral damage that's shaken him up. There's kind of, you know, knocked him uh, knocked him around a little bit, which means he's not really the journalist he once was. Mm -hmm. The higher-ups have recognised that and uh, not really... Um, you know, think that, okay, maybe his best days are behind him, so let's send him out to this little town to do a simple little job because maybe that's all he's good for. And uh, Martin's kind of going along with that story, and but once he gets the sniff of, you know, something else happening, he really can't help himself. And, you know, yeah. it's a bit of the story of him uh, getting his journalistic instincts back. How does it like to be on the other side of the coin for a change, being a journalist? <laughs> it's really interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's luckily I have spoken to many journalists in my time and uh, we even have an ex-journalist, Adam Zwar, in the cast. So, yeah, so he's a great source of, uh, you know, information and and stories, uh, you know, while we're on set. Um and so, no, it's, it is really – and it, it is nice to do a kind of mystery thriller and be looking after a case with a character who 
you know, isn't really a cop or cop adjacent that kind of, uh, even though he does work, you know, with a police officer in this, he's also, you, you know, he he's kind of seeking truth and justice in his own way. So he's a bit of, you know, he, he, a bit more of a maverick than someone he's, too tied to the system. He's complicated. Yeah, he's a complicated it. type of guy. But yeah. With heavy content. I mean, how do you compartmentalize? Because I know, like, going on set, you're doing all of this, you know, heavy, you're dealing with a shooter, you're dealing with, well, the, the aftermath of a shooting. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you compartmentalize? How do you not take that home every day? Well, I think it, it, it can be tough in certain instances. I do think when you work on something, when you work in a good job with good people, I think everyone's very aware about understanding the seriousness of things like this and of going like, okay, how do we make sure we do these characters justice? We do these topics justice. We honor what these characters are going through, but it's, it's not about, it's us. It's about how can we tell that story? How can we give that to the audience? It's not about how do we indulge in this for ourselves? And I think that's where actors can get lost sometimes and creatives. If you start thinking like to do this i've got to really yeah you know i've got to really you know sink into this overall for me yes you want to feel stuff yeah you want to be you know in this when people are recounting things that have happened you want to be in that moment receiving that and taking that on but you've also got to get really good at, at uh you know shaking that stuff off it was actually a really great class i did at drama school where we'd um because it's addictive. Emotions are addictive. Mm, and you can, totally. it's surprising. It, it keeps surprising me that you do do stuff on set and you're like, wow, this is now in my bones. And it can be really tempting to be one of those actors who's like, sorry, I'm just like working with such deep stuff and use it as an excuse to be a dick offset or to, or on set, you know? <laughs> and it's part of the job to go like, no, that, that happens between action and cut. And, shake it off um yeah so that's what i was going to say at drama school we actually did a whole class it was about going into those kind of emotional states and the teacher going now get out of it shake it off don't hold on to it i know it's tempting i know it feels good when you're in there and you start to think it's real but like go and be a good person um and so i think this is a really good set and i guess if you when you've got like a director like greg mclean who has obviously done some of the darkest most horrific films that have ever been made but he's just an absolute joy on set he's you know fun and respectful and there's no you know it, it's a very different feeling even though someone might be getting their head blown off on set we're all having a laugh and and making sure everyone's <laughs> comfortable and happy and and uh take safety really responsibly we're getting their heads blown off does this turn into a zombie thriller i'm so confused no. Well, well I, I I just said a guy comes out with a rifle at the start oh, yeah, of, of the show and shoots five people. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I why with you? With, oh yeah. So I'm not. Ah. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah. and that is the thing that I'm not quite directly dealing with it, and and that's actually part of Martin's journey is yeah right. You know, is dealing with the difference between the story <laughs> and the experience. That's right. Yeah, and I think when right. we come into it, that's how he's got himself in this. In, into trouble, I think, is by yeah. fighting for the story but not really connecting with people. Yeah. And so that is his journey on this, of going like, okay, how do I fight for the truth because the truth can heal, the truth can help people, the truth can find justice, not just because the truth makes a good story. 
And a little bit of healing for Martin, I'm sure, as well. Yes, hopefully, hopefully, you know. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. If, no if he yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scraplands is a beloved novel. So, mm. you know, what's the pressure like to bring something from page to screen? Well, I... It's, there is pressure there, but I think you have to forget it fairly quickly because, and of course, it happens every time something adapted that it, there's a everyone's a everyone's a purist until the adaptation comes out. And but the truth is, if you are a you know a screenwriter, an actor, a producer, a director, you know that it's a different mode of storytelling. That just putting what things on the page. What works on the page will often not work on screen. Yeah. You don't get to spend pages and pages in the head of characters understanding their thought process. There are also things that you might on a page not be as shocking, but if you actually depicted that visually, it's it would be way over the top and and kind of and, and traumatizing for everyone who watches it. So you, I think. Um, Felicity and the team of writers and Greg have been really smart in what they've taken from the book, what what remains, but also going, well, how do we do this? Doing the story justice for screen isn't about doing a page-by-page page recreation. It's actually about going, how do we lift this off the page and put it on the screen in the most impactful, interesting, compelling way? And these are really smart, fun scripts in the way they've managed to do that. I think as a consumer or someone who watches a lot of everything, it is really, really hard when you read something and then you go to watch it and you're like, oh, but that didn't happen or that, you know, that's not the way it was supposed to be. And it is really, really hard when you're really emotionally invested in that book. That's right. Absolutely. But the truth is, yeah, no film or TV show can ever be the book. Because as, you know, as a as a writer of novels myself, some of the fun of it is a book only meets you halfway. You, ha you are coming and bringing the rest of yourself to it. You're casting it. You're doing the set dressing. You're writing the score. You're doing the color grade. So, as much everyone can sit there often go like, well, it's not this. And it's like, well, if you, if, if the way you saw the book was, could be projected on a wall, someone else who read the book would also would look at that and go, that's not the way it should be. That's not completely right. So there's no way you'd ever please everyone. That is actually so, I have never, ever thought of it that way. That is so true. <laughs> I will never in my life now watch a movie or a TV show from a book and go, that's not the way because it's coming from somebody else's subjective mind. Completely. Yeah. It's, and I find that really, it is really interesting. That's how it works. Everyone's got a different visual version of that. And also, and there are things that, yeah. And, and around that, you just can't, you, the storytelling feels different. Things that don't lag in a book would lag on screen. Things that you can understand in a book because you're, you've got in a monologue going on. You could never, you, you know, you, 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 the worst version of screenwriting is just to go like, hey, as the character walks around, let's just describe, let's just have their inner monologue describing everything. And yes, great as actors, sometimes with a look, <laughs> with an emotion, we can show that. Well, but I have something, faith. I have faith yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Scrublands is a beautifully complicated character piece. And it's a lot of stuff that, that the richness of that book is not in its cinematic quality. That opening sequence is pretty cinematic and lots of parts of it are really cinematic. But the time, you know, a lot of time is just Martin 
like pages a month deciding whether to do one thing or another or, or working things through in his head. So good screenwriting is kind of lifting that up, making that dialogue, making it action, making it visual. And so I'm now really curious, and I was going to ask you this later on, but I did read that you're a fantasy author, which blows my mind. How on earth do you do you come up with these stories? This always shocks me when I read fantasy novels. I'm like, where where does this come from? Yes, it's funny. The the ideas are never a problem with me. It's the time <laughs> to actually put them on paper. And I think for me too, I've maybe maybe it's being creative, maybe being an artist and an actor. I always feel like I'm a little step out of reality anyway. So fantasy comes kind of easy to me. As in, I like symbolism, metaphor, magical realism. I also like the safety of it creatively because i think the moment you you set something in the real world we all have we all have our own relationships to parts of the world you know different political social cultural uh, events you know ideas and so sometimes that stuff can get in the way that stuff I think could get in the way of sometimes the deeper truth. If, if you want to talk about the human experience, what it means to be alive, relationships, you know, life and death, and that's the stuff that I get most interested in, then I sometimes I, I am reluctant to get bogged down in some of the those other things that pull us apart. So for me, setting my books in a kind of secondary fantasy world where we all get to come in with the kind of with a fresh pair of eyes and so that then when it comes to the discussions about um what it means to be a good person you know and uh and what you know and how do we be how do we be a force for good in the world around us how do we work against our own shame and embarrassment and regret like if i want to get to that stuff a fantasy world for me is the ideal place to do it because it be because we get away from the things that divide us, we can more easily get to the things that bring us together. Oh, I love that. And is there a character that you've written that you're like, this is me, or you would see you're the same? So, so my protagonist, Fetch Phillips, is there's a lot of me in him. Um, I think generally I kind of often write Fetch a beat behind me, where it, if there's stuff that I've been kind of struggling with or thinking about. Um and I kind of have what, you know, I guess as I hopefully am growing as a person, then Fetch is often in that stuff that I've just kind of wrestled with, that I'm just working through. I often give Fetch a lot of that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of me in him with a lot of other stuff. And of course, he's he's he becomes his own person who's dealing with his own things. Um, but there's probably a very healthy dose of um, my strange brain and relationship to myself and the world in Fetch Phillips. Have you always been creative? I mean, it sounds like that is literally who you are. The the core of who you are is this creative force. Yeah, look, I I think it was often my way of relating to the world was coming up with ideas and stories. And it, it I, I think acting even came about because I had I yeah, I have ideas, I come up with things, I wanna, you know, um would either try and perform them or write them down. And it is and so I think then the for me performing began as a kind of way of like just telling stories that i thought up and then you do enough of that and other people are like hey can you be in my thing too or maybe you should audition for this oh. but um 
So, you know, I mean, that's just in, you know, high school kind of times of when you're making, doing plays and short films and things. Yeah. So, and it's funny, actually, I, um, we just, my family just, uh, put to get, like, took all our old home videos from, like, you know, put them onto a hard drive and got them off the old VHSs. And (laughs) as, uh, my, uh, yeah, and and just looked through a few of them with my partner, and she was like, "Oh, well, this explains a lot because there is a lot of performance going on. There's a lot of creativity. It is. I think that was always part of kind of our extended family, and so from my grandma down, it's been it's been a big part of what me, my cousins, my siblings have always been kind of uh, what we've done in our spare time. I can honestly relate. And my poor yeah. cousins, my sister and I were so theatrical. We always, we did dances and we did plays. And I will never forget one of my cousins coming to a family lunch and whispering to her sister and says, oh, no, they've brought the script for the play. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So opposite to us. But it's, it is, it's such a, when you're a kid, if you're going to be a performer or whatever it is, it's already there when you're a kid. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think, and just... There is something nice about, like, I'm very thankful that um, not only was it encouraged when we were younger, so you feel like, oh, your ideas, your creativity is worthy of an audience and interesting, and it helps you uh, not be too embarrassed to do that later in life, Um, but also that spending your life doing that is valid. Um, And so I never felt like pursuing a career in the arts was an indulgence was something that should have a that has a time frame on it and at a certain point if it if i'm not wildly successful i needed to pack it in and go you know do something responsible to support the family or whatever it is and i know a lot of people in the arts who had more of that pressure and had uh, families who would support but not quite understand um being in the arts or entertainment. And so it was always a bit of something they had to work through and justify where I kind of, I think if I've, you know, mostly the reason I I happen to be here and still working um, and being able to have some of the great opportunities I've got is because I never felt the pressure to succeed, I guess, that if I could get by sometimes doing other work, but like, and do that to keep going to get these acting roles or do something else. Or even then, like when my acting career is going well, go, hey, I'm going to take a bunch of time out to write a book and start a whole new ridiculous acting career that may never pay me any money. That it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's great. There's, you know, it's like, yeah, go do it. If you end up penniless, no one's going to be giving you big lectures about how you, you know, should have, you know, been a banker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I and I think and that's just something really lucky that um I know not everyone has and is probably I owe more to having a career than uh, you know skill or talent. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you have skill and a lot of talent. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I do. But there are a lot of people with skill and talent out there, and I do think the freedom to pursue the career without kind of uh, guilt and expectation and pressure yeah, really helps. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've been doing this so officially, according to your IMDb page. Yep. Since 2006. I mean, yeah. that's professionally since 2006, not to mention all the high school plays and the, <laughs> the really, really amazing performances for your family. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, a- that hopefully, we'll never end up online in any I- way. 
am yeah. desperate to see no, me. No, no. <laughs> I can just imagine. I can just imagine. If there were anything like my sister and I, it would have just been the most glorious thing in the entire world. Well, you'd also mostly be surprised that I am not, I am by no means the star of any of them. I am, I am, I am a, a good support player. I find my moments to come out, but there are definitely some far more enthusiastic performers in my family. Oh, fabulous. And have they yeah. all chosen a creative career or are they like- Yeah, in the group of cousins, dancers and, uh, yeah, dancers and creatives in other modes. So, yeah, oh, they're fabulous. all doing their thing. That's actually yeah. quite cool. Yeah. In this long, illustrious career that you've <laughs> had since 2006, and I don't want to make you feel- old. I mean, we're around the same age, but is there a certain moment, and I know it doesn't bother you, and I know you're going to be like, oh, Anita, it doesn't, it's not, it's not what it is, but is there a specific moment where you kind of went, oh, yeah, I can do this. I've made it. It's funny because the idea of making it was, I don't think it it was ever really a thought. Like, you know, when I finished drama school, so yeah, went to WAPA, graduated in 06. The idea of just being a jobbing actor was like, hey, that'd be great. If I could do this as a job, and I mostly am terrible in a lot of other, you know, I've done a I've done every other crappy job under the sun and uh not very good at most of them, mostly from lack of interest and then attention and focus. Um, and so I think I, I do think, and so the first shift, I think, like the first film I was the lead in was a little film called Broken Hill that we did in South Australia and probably uh, in oh eight. Yes, we did that in 08. And I think what was great about that, what, what I first felt, the, the thing in that, more than even going, I made it, I understood what the collaborative nature of film. Are you all right? You're getting, you're getting emotional. <laughs> I'm not, I'm very aware that this story is not some beautifully told tale uh, of uh, you know overcoming uh, oh, adversity. You got something right. It's, it's like watering. It's completely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Don't be sorry. I'll let you do it. I'm so involved, and I'm sitting here like a tear streaming down my face. As, as long as something else hasn't happened that I wasn't aware of, and I was like, I was like, I'm what sorry. a dick. I was. I, yes, you got. You just got some message about something, and I was just talking over it. So no, I'll let you deal with your eye, and uh, I'll keep recounting my tale of a. So yeah, and just during Broken Hill, I guess I first really got the collaborative nature of film and TV. That this is like, oh, and I love theatre, but. You know, once in theatre, once a theatre show opens, you're mostly left with actors, and yeah. also every night you spend time there out there with another actor or yourself. And that I started to go to start to question whether I could just continue doing that. And then being a lead actor in something, I was like, oh, this is it's the same as being a, this is a writer director. You know, you're one of the other just key creatives, and you sit there and you talk about how do we tell the story? What's this scene about? What? Uh, how do we? How does it fit into everything else? What can really make this interesting or funny? And then you're like, oh, okay. And then everyone's like, oh, great, we decided on that. Well, you sit there and you look at the camera. And I guess I have to go out there and say the lines now. But that little powwow moment of it was like this I really enjoy, and so that's where I first went like, oh, I th and I. When not only do I really enjoy this, I think maybe I can kind of do this. I think maybe my mind does is kind of useful in this workplace with this kind of with these people having this kind of career. And that's mostly what I've continued to rely on as an actor and why I don't 
you know, some jobs you get, some jobs you don't. Sometimes you're like, why? Oh, they're not really interested in me or this thing hasn't felt open to me. But mostly, and and why I don't worry too much about a career, you know, quote, yeah. un, you know, end quote, because I feel like that always ha- that happens when you're dead, <laughs> you know, and they want to sum it up. But like, as far as doing the actual job, I really enjoy doing the job. And on certain films and pro in certain projects i think i'm actually quite good at the job not that i think like i'm the best i and i can go like am i the best actor out there am i really interesting in front of the lens i don't know but the actual mechanics and collaborative nature of it i i have i kind of take real pride in that side of this you've got to have the confidence in yourself though like i know what you mean by saying you know i'm not i'm i'm good at what i do you're actually are allowed to say that. And I think that not not enough people say that about what they do. Well, you have to know the bit you can take confidence in. And I'd still get like, there's still a lot of insecurity, a lot. And it's very weird being out there doing a show like, you know, Scrublands, I'm in so much of it. And there's everyone else is watching it happen and putting the pieces together. And you're kind of out there in front going, okay, I think this is good. And you really have to trust. You have to trust the director. You have to trust the script supervisor, everyone you're working with who are going like, okay, I'm, I have to trust what I'm doing and then trust all of you that that's all fitting together. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to go, but you also then need to know, you know, it's, it's a very hard job to do if you are completely relying on outside um, validation. And I think that's where people get stuck. And, and, and where you have to go like, oh no, I work really hard. Like the script work I do beforehand, the preparation I do before I show up on set and the time I spend thinking about this character, this project, this scene that I can trust. Can I always trust that between action and cut, I've done amazing stuff that is, you know, it's like, I don't know. And it kind of doesn't matter as much as like, am I telling the story? Am I, am I within this scene, giving the audience the information they need? Am I showing up? Am I backing that character? Am I bringing myself to this with a bit of bravery and a bit of, uh, you know, enough belief, enough faith, enough connection to do this justice? Um, and then however it turns out is kind of outside of my control. And I'm really curious. So you're doing a Disney project, so Northwest, which is coming up, but that's that's a US project, right? Or is- yeah, so it's I think it's more, it's actually more Disney UK, but yeah, Disney but it's still UK. connected with Disney it's overall. But yeah, Disney, right? Great, yeah. that's amazing. The the thing I'm curious though is that you know ninety percent of what you have done has been in Australia, mm-hmm. and it's TV, film in our industry. What does that what does that mean to you to support our industry first and foremost? Well, th- there was a period there where I was almost exclusively working overseas, and coming back to Australia was a little treat, you know. Yeah. That like, uh, but I was you know living in London, working in you know New Orleans, Canada, South Africa, LA, um, and which was good fun, and you know, and it has a certain excitement to it. But I even before COVID kind of brought a lot of us home, I was making Mm. a conscious conscious effort to come back to Australia. I think we do incredible stuff here. I think it's supported in a really great way. Um, Being able to work, like, you know, a lot of jobs I do will have uh, some actors from overseas a part of it, and they're always blown away by Australian crews. Mm. Um, I just think the work ethic here is really great. I also think for so long, like, we do a lot of stuff here that is really great that, 
even though with streaming, actually, a lot of the world is the world is seeing a lot more of our stuff now, which is really exciting. But for so long, you didn't expect that to happen, and even before then, all you know, all the great actors would come back to go on stage here to do Australian productions. Like what you know, actors, you know, whether it's like Sam Neill and Guy Pearce and Blanchard, and you know who were established overseas, surely getting offers from overseas, have always come back to do things here because we make great stuff. We tell, and it's, I think, really important to tell our own stories and as any creative to tell stories that are connected to, you know, uh, you know, the your where you grew up, the people around you, people who speak like you and um, have your, you know, have experienced your experiences. But it is... Um, it's also just it's just the best place to work. And on top of that, I, I don't think I walk onto a set in Australia now that I don't know people. And that just does so much good. It it's it's it can be very strange continually mm-hmm. showing up on set in a new part of the world with a bunch of new people to quickly form these fast friendships, make this thing together, have a rap party and then never see any of them again. Um, it can be really fun, but it's also nowhere near as rewarding for me as the kind of continuity of working, being able to work with the same people here. And even if you're not working with the same people here, they all know each other and you feel part of this huge, great, beautiful collective of artists that make up the Australian industry. And you've probably all all grown together in your careers as well. So from the very beginning upwards, No. So Adam Zwa, who um, you, you know, I worked with on this. He, I worked on Lowdown forever ago. He apparently for a while he was. To, he he thought that I, he'd given me my first job, which isn't quite true, but it was one of my first jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I should I should <laughs> let him just keep keep telling that one. Um, you know, and uh, you know the uh, Lou Mitchell who cast this, um had been try- you know she had did cast me one of my first jobs and kept trying to cast me for for a long time um so it is and then there's people there's yeah so many people on this i worked with forever ago on uh, like uh, liz and the makeup team we worked together back in winners and losers days when i did my first you know, yeah well that was my first time i was on screen being a lead singer in australian tv so yeah so that it, that is you know, being able to kind of continue our careers together and um, uh, is is really great and really rewarding, especially when you make great stuff like this. Absolutely. And before I let you go, um, I do have one quick question. Mm-hmm. You could give yourself a piece of advice that that from the first official role on anything, if you could give yourself a piece of advice from now, what would it be? Hmm. I, interesting. I do think, like, it's probably something I had a bit of a sense with, because I I was on a film set behind the scenes before I was ever on as an actor. And I think that really helped me because I understood my role in the whole thing. And often I think actors can be, are almost separated from crew in some ways because- all this stuff goes through casting and then our agents and we don't really, it's not like there's an acting department on set. It's like where these other people brought in. Um, And so I think, and I think I had a sense of it early on, but would have potentially, you know, and I was given that with, by being lucky enough to be in crew uh, for a bit, but it's something I've refined over time, which is just that be part of the crew. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, And I think, um, 
because every like a crew is an amazing piece of machinery because it's a lot of people who are all specialists in their thing who know the longer you work out what everyone else's job is and how you fit into it Mm -hmm. and a great crew member understands what everyone else is doing when you might be able to talk to this person when you shouldn't talk to them when you can back them up when they should be ahead of you but when you can tap them and ask them to help you with something and that's how everyone else works and Good actors know how to do that and how to be supportive. I think a lot of actors are never taught that. And so it's like this the crew is all working together and then it's like everything stopped. The actors coming on now and they and they don't they're not spending their time listening. So yeah. I think for me and what I'd want to tell other actors is just like learn how to be a good crew member. Um and and if you do that you'll do your job better, but also you'll be supported better and you'll support everyone else better. I love it. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Honestly, it's been so lovely to talk to you and I'm so sorry about my eye. Oh, no, that's fine. Lovely talking with you. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.